Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, we are continuing our conversation with Brian Spear, principal at Sunrise Capital, and who's going to explain why he thinks funds are better than syndications, not only for the investors, but also for the sponsors themselves. We'll also touch on how to approach investors when you have a deal and also how to find a great partner. Here we go. So changing gears a bit, you mentioned earlier that you recommend people creating a fund instead of syndications. Can we dive deep into this topic? Why is that so in your opinion? I wouldn't say that with absolute assurance, everyone should always without fail create a fund. But I do believe that funds are generally a better structure for both parties involved, both sides of the table, both limited partners and general partners. And I'll kind of walk through why that's the case. I'll say selfishly from the general partner side, it provides more flexibility of capital. It affords you the opportunity to be able to move at a moment's notice. If every time that we stumbled upon a given transaction that we wanted to acquire, we had to roll out a brand new syndication, then a couple things. Likely we would miss some deals. We would likely miss some opportunities in a hot market such as this. When you have to try to compete against other folks, without fail, the brokers will want to know where your equity derives. And if you don't have the ability to say, I've got eight figures sitting in the bank right now and I can close on this next week, if we really need it to, then you're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage, especially in this crazy environment where there's so much capital chasing deals. The fund affords you the the opportunity to have that capital at the ready when those opportunities arise so that you can act faster, you can move quicker. That expediency helps tremendously. I would also convey that funds often will afford you the opportunity to provide outsized IRRs as well, depending upon the scale of your respective fund. You may be able to garner some lines of credit, which would afford you the opportunity to be selective about when you ultimately bring capital in and leveraging that provides you with an opportunity to provide investors with a higher internal rate of return. So these are some of the things that you can do at a little bit higher scale inside of the fund structure. In addition to that, you get diversification, obviously, across all the various different assets, uh, as opposed to you know, trying to have your entirety of your investment rate of return be a function of one individual property. The old adage goes, one data point does not a trend line make. And if I did 10 deals, I can guarantee you that you know, over the course of 100 deals, I would revert closer to the mean than if I did 10 deals or if I just did one deal. On that one individual transaction, it's true that that one individual investor might hit a grand slam. It might be an outsized, unbelievably phenomenal rate of return. But on the flip side, for every time that occurs, there's also that one that does not meet or exceed the expectations, right? It's the one that, you know, swings and maybe it's a pop out. And it's very, very difficult to know in advance which one of those is is going to be the one that does not ultimately hit expectations. And for that reason, implementing the fund structure ensures that you're reverting closer to the mean of the investor projections and ultimately what we feel is likely to occur for that investor over the term of the holding period. I would also say from the limited partner's perspective, 
again, you just get more stability, more assurance of outcome. But I would say one of the most overlooked aspects of this for those investors that are out there who seem to prefer the individual deal-specific syndications today, I would pose to them that when you decide to move forward in a fund structure, what you're also doing is you are forcing the general partner to diversify their promote over the course of the entirety of the fund, as opposed to the individual deal specific syndication. So I'm going to use a hypothetical here. Let's say we did 10 deals inside of the fund, right? But, you know, we had chosen to do the 10 in individual deal specific syndication. So, you know, nine of them go very well. They're all grand slams, whatever the case may be. And then one of the deals is a complete and utter failure. We, you know, we barely get the money back. We barely get the money back right? or, or we, we lose some money along the way. And there's a capital call. Some of those investors have been done exceptionally well, but obviously some of them have done just unfortunately poorly. They've underperformed. Um, but, the, but the sponsor, he's making an exorbitant amount of money on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And on the 10th deal where maybe he loses all of that money, the sponsor still makes out exceptionally well in that manner. However, in a fund structure, you are forcing the, the sponsor to diversify their earnings, their rate of return over the entirety of the promote, over the entirety of the business. So if nine of those deals did well, and then the 10th deal, they, they ran it into the ground and lost all the money, well, then the sponsor doesn't make any money. The sponsor doesn't make a red penny because the, the benefit of the other nine properties is making up for the deficit of the 10th asset. And in that manner, you are getting more assurance that the sponsor is working on your best uh, behalf through every step of the journey. From my perspective, that's far overlooked and, and it's not discussed enough, especially and what I would say would be kind of in, in retail conversations on the podcast universe. Folks uh, are often overlooking that because they are feeling that they have the ability to select the best deal that is coming through the pipe. And while that may be the, the case at the very outset, you may be able to select the most appropriate cap rates, IRR, leverage, micro markets, you know, sub markets, all these various things. But the truth is you don't know when the tornado is going to hit that property. Nobody does. And it's impossible to know that in advance of acquiring those respective deals. So those are some of the benefits and drawbacks associated with it. We feel the fund structure is a superior structure for both parties involved for those reasons. So I'm assuming that you recommend people doing a syndication first, because it's probably very hard to raise for a fund as a very first raise, correct? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, you want to use your own capital. You want to go out uh, and prove the business model. You want to go out and uh, have a, a simple, scalable, repeatable business model prior to rolling out a fund. I think that that would be imprudent to just launch a fund from scratch. You need to go out and prove yourself first. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I do think that ultimately the fund structure provides more benefits for everybody involved. I would pose to you, that's why the likes of Blackstone, Carlisle Group, Apollo, all the guys on Wall Street, they don't run out and do individual deal-specific syndications. They do fund structures without fail for all those reasons. So how do you approach an investor when you have a deal? Can we cover that topic? <laughs> this is a fun one. The question of how you approach investors when you have a deal begins well in advance of when you have a deal. So you're never going to reach out to somebody and hard sell them on wiring you $100,000 one day after you have a deal come under contract and you all, all of a sudden need to scramble to ultimately get that capital. What you need to do is develop that relationship with the prospect or the potential investor many, many 
days, weeks, months, or years in advance of that opportunity arising. So if you intend to scale actively in this business, you're going to need to build a substantive Rolodex and you're going to need to begin providing that Rolodex with value, valuable content I would convey, that provides them with insight and knowledge that you are an authority in your industry and are worthy of their time, energy, effort, and ultimately capital to partner with you on deals as you progress. Um, it's why, again, we host the Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast, because it provides folks with hours and hours and hours of free content to understand who we are, what we do. We literally take our business model inside out and explain to individuals how we go out, find off-market transactions, turn them around, and go full cycle on the deals, ultimately generating great returns, et cetera, et cetera. And it provides folks with that business plan, that transparency, and that knowledge that if they want to go down their rabbit hole, they can literally listen to hundreds of hours of content that we've put out there so that by the time that they reach out to me and want to have those respective conversations after I send that email, right, after I send that email and say, hey, a new mobile home park came available, they've likely already listened to tens of hours of content that we've already put out, understand exactly what we're going to do in advance. And now it's kind of rinsing and repeating the business model, as opposed to me trying to explain from a high level what a mobile home park is and how we're ultimately going to try to implement that model. So when we approach investors, it begins significantly further upstream than when we have that deal under contract and we ultimately need that capital. Begin that process now if you have not done so well in advance of that uh, opportunity arising. Doing all of this does take having great partners. Can we go over what steps do you take to find the right partner? for all of these deals that you're doing? I would say that what you, what you are ultimately looking to do is find somebody who has complementary skill sets. In order to make a, a partnership successful, the individuals that are ultimately partnering need to bring skill sets to the table that are complementary, that make the two parties uh, significantly more valuable than the individuals uh, themselves. You know, one plus one is 11, if you will, the old analogy when you're looking to try to find the right partners, I would spend some time first thinking about yourself. What do you bring to the table? What do you do better than anybody else in the marketplace? I always like to say there's three things that are necessary to make any deal happen. You need to find the money, you need to find the deal, and you need to operate the deal. If I'm going to try to ultimately approach somebody and you're seeking a partner, you need to first determine where you want to spend your time, energy, and effort. What do you like doing? Okay, build the business around that. What do you like doing and what are you good at? If you're very good at kind of attracting capital, the investor relations side of the business, if you will, then you would need somebody to either go help you acquire those respective assets and or manage them over time. So from my perspective, I'm going to select which of those skill sets I'm going to become proficient in. And then I'm going to locate a partner that can uh, help me in the other areas. And that's ultimately what, what I chose to do years and years and years prior. Kevin, uh, my business partner, he's uh, been an active real estate as investor his entire adult life. I always like to joke, the guy's never had a, a real job. He's been doing this since he was 19 years old, going off market direct to owner, was originally buying single family homes by doing cold calls, direct mail, that sort of stuff. A great business model, finding deals off market, managing those respective assets. And um, I had some, some skills throughout my 20s that I'd garnered in helping scale businesses. And I knew that the business model that he was implementing 
was exceptional, but it was only being done on a very small scale. And I knew that we had the ability to, to pour some gasoline on that by virtue of, of coming in and, and helping them scale that respective uh, venture, offloading uh, a good chunk of this piece, right? The investor relations side and regulatory compliance is kind of what I handle over here at Sunrise Capital Investors, which allows him to focus on what he loves, what he knows better than anything else is, is actually having those conversations with mom and pop operators, traveling throughout the country, getting those deals under contract and that sort of tandem task management or dispersion of accountabilities in the organization helps you scale significantly quicker and, and, and can create a mutually beneficial relationship, truly, that, that, that uh, lasts for, for decades and decades. So where did you meet him and how did this conversation start? The same way that everybody meets everybody today. You know, you reach out and uh, uh, you find somebody online that's uh, doing something that uh, you want to do that is uh, a little bit further along than, than what you are. And uh, you reach out and you add significant amounts of value. So basically what I did is I reached out to Kevin and said, hey, buddy, I got an offer you can't refuse. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come down to Florida. I'm going to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I'm going to bring hundreds of thousands of dollars and I'm going to help you grow your business. And I think over time, we'll be able to build something that's, that's pretty special. He was intrigued, you know, because the cost of benefit analysis is significantly in his favor. I was able to share my resume with him and, and uh, you know, explain to him all the things that I've been able to accomplish over time. And uh, while originally a bit apprehensive, just by virtue of going and putting your head down and working exceptionally hard, you know, you look back years and years later and uh, you add significantly more value along the way. Folks like to coin themselves value-add investors but you can add value in a litany more ways than just going in, buying a property and trying to increase the NOI. I would consider value add relationships um, also a, a great way to be a value add investor, bring significant value in any way that you can to that relationship so that you can ultimately build rapport. And by doing so, you can garner significantly more experience uh, and accelerate your learning curve and scale significantly quicker than you would otherwise be able to. That's awesome. The only people that I meet online are, are dates. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to try that for, <laughs> for partnerships. Oh, good, good, good. Love it, love it. Now, Great uh, idea. my wife locked me up. My, my wife locked <laughs> me up before that became the hotness. <laughs> wow, we covered so many topics. Thank you so much for letting me dive deep into your career. Is there anything else that you think is important for us to cover that we have not covered yet? I would just convey that if folks, you know, this podcast was largely about parking and, and diving into that niche, uh, folks uh, um, hadn't had too much experience with it. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to parkinglotprofits.com. We put together a free report for everybody called the Passive Investor's Guide to Parking Lot Profits. So folks can kind of learn the ins and outs of the business, the highs and lows, and, and why we feel it's such a compelling asset class. Brian, thank you so much for making the time to join us. I really, really appreciate it. Me as well, Steph. Thoroughly enjoyed our time together. And I would love to thank one of our latest reviewers, Trevor Oldham. He said, it's awesome. One of my favorite new podcasts. Thank you so much for making the time to write us a review that is super appreciated. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at monicarlorei.com. And I will see you next time.